goal for the Irish at the timeout. Williams, right to the right side. Powers to the end zone. Look, low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finally, McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. What's going on, Irish fans? Welcome into the Golden Homers podcast. Nathan Erbach here, as usual, um, with my co-host, Mason Plummer. I have a special episode for you guys today. We're wanting to kind of veer away toward, uh, veer away from um, sort of the season as a whole. Um, I mean, obviously, we all know it's sort of a kind of a disappointing season, and, and the UNLV game was was nothing different than that. We're recording here on a, on Wednesday after that game, so a couple of days um, to kind of to sit on that. But we, we don't really want to talk about UNLV. We're not even really going to talk about Stanford. We might make some predictions here at the end, um, but we're going to bring you a recruiting episode. Just me and me and Mason, no, uh, no other recruiting gurus or anything like that, but uh, just kind of like our, I guess, our raw organic thoughts on the class in general. Um, how we kind of see it finishing, some of the prospects that are left on the board. Um, obviously, like, for example, Clemson's going to be a big, pretty big recruiting weekend for Notre Dame, so we can kind of touch on that a little bit. Talk a little bit about 2024, maybe even bring in some basketball recruiting knowledge to you guys uh, as well, because uh, I know, unfortunately, there's not enough people that cover Notre Dame basketball um, and Notre Dame basketball recruiting in general, but myself and Mason have a pretty – a pretty good clear picture of uh, of that on a on a yearly basis or at least we think we do so um but without further ado i guess mason how are you doing today let's get let's get started yeah doing pretty well excited to do something a little bit different you know you said it notre dame's been a little bit lackluster i guess you know what i tweeted out last so this past saturday that was probably the most uh lackluster and just non not satisfying 23 point win that I've seen in quite a while. So it got it done, I guess, but it's not a lot of style points to go around there. So we're switching gears a little bit this week. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then I guess kind of just looking at the 2023 class as a whole, obviously it's a, it's a very good class. Um, you know, you lose a few guys like Keon Keeley specifically, that's kind of the main guy that has lost in this class. Um, unfortunately, you've lost a few other guys, replaced them fairly well. A few other guys maybe were pushed out, but we don't really need to get into that per se. Um, but right now it's currently ranked uh, number three in the country. And if it finished today with everybody signing right now and no one else in, in the books or leaving the class, it would be the highest ranked class of any Brian Kelly class. So I think first, first and foremost, starting there, I think that's pretty impressive, especially with the season, how it's going. Um, but it does show that the coaching staff is there on the trail. Um, and it's just a really impressive class overall, but uh any thoughts on that before we kind of get into some names and kind of where, where the class is headed? Not really, other than, you know, if you aren't somebody that's super into recruiting, if you aren't following everybody, if you go look, you know, 24-7 sports is the one that Nathan and I are both subscribed to. But if you were on 24-7 sports and you look at the Notre Dame 2023 class as compared to, you know, some people just look at the class at the end of the year and kind of study it from there. But some of the talent in this class is just unbelievable. Talking about a guy like, a Don Schuler, who's like the 15th name down there, who would usually in a Brian Kelly class be like a top three or top five guy based on his talent and how good you, know, you and I both think that he is. Um, man, and to think that the, there are some big misses in this class as well, like a Dante Moore, for example, that would push Notre Dame into another five-star category and be the one or two uh, class in this cycle as they were for a long time, but would have held that 
you always have the, the Alabamas that end up rising. Georgia's, you know, they kind of start slow while Notre Dame tends to start quickly. So, uh, yeah, this class is super impressive. You'd hope that the season finishes well, you know, knock off a Syracuse, knock off a Clemson, beat USC, something like that. Win two out of those three uh, just for some good momentum towards next year. I think these guys believe in what Marcus Freeman is building, what he wants to do. But um, if, you know, you signed up, I guess they haven't signed yet, but, you you know, you pledge for Notre Dame and then you see a three and three record or, you know, the 0-2 to start the season. You're like, whoa, hold on. I mean, you know, people, fans get worried when guys start to reevaluate things, but wouldn't you? I mean, that's not uh, what it was all cracked out to be. So um, shout out to the recruiting staff for working hard on this class. And, you know, you need the on-field results to back it up too. So hopefully that is, uh, those are able to coincide with each other and uh, keep this class together. Cause I really do think it is special. And, and I think the interesting part about this class as a whole is this idea that they're, they're, they don't have a QB committed. They lost their best recruit in Keon Keeley, who was actually at a very important position of need based off of Isaiah Foskey, Justin Adamolo, those guys kind of he- heading out. And then also, um, you know, the guys behind them being very unproven, even though they're they're talented players like Joshua Burnham, Aiden Gobira. They were both like top 150 players. Um, we know that Jordan Patello, even though he's been in the program for a while now was a highly rated guy, even though he hasn't really been able to get onto the field, um, you know, in a, in a main role, at least on defense, he's obviously a pretty good special teams guy. So there, there's some def, there's definitely some guys there, but you know, Keon Keeley was one of those guys that could come in right away and start for your program from day one. And um, so it, it's I, I it's very it's very interesting to me how this class is sort of still built at you know or, or has stayed consistent in that top five with you know again missing out on Keeley they never had Dante Moore at least publicly committed so he wasn't you know a part of the class from a ranking standpoint um, but it felt like a loss and from that perspective regardless you know and obviously you lose out on a guy like Christopher Vizina Jackson Arnold. Um, you know, Avery Johnson, even though, even though he's a little bit, you know, farther down the list, maybe they're still working on him. It's kind of, you know, up and down, depending on who you ask in that regard. But, you know, they, they, they've essentially whiffed on QB and they've whiffed on Viper in, in this class, at least to date. And it's still number three. So there's obviously some talent there. And then kind of going with that, the other part or the other two kind of factors of this class that are very interesting to me is the speed element that they're bringing in. You look up and down um, from a skill position standpoint. I don't think I've seen so much speed, at least from a Notre Dame perspective, brought in in a certain class. So that's definitely interesting. Um, and then, you know, just kind of being able to get the wide receiver position figured out, it seems like. I mean, obviously, they're still hoping for another, for another guy, maybe two. Um, but they're sort of supplementing that with, you know, having at least currently three running backs committed or or at least guys that are also offensive weapons um, in Dylan Edwards and Jeremiah Love. And then still recruiting a guy like Brandon Hillman, who might, and we'll get into some of these names further, but, you know, maybe he plays offense, maybe he plays defense, but it's just another athlete to bring into the fold when you know that your roster looks so suspect from a depth perspective, specifically speaking, um, on the offensive skill position end of things. So um, those are kind of just like my quick thoughts about the class, even without the QB and Viper positions. Yeah, and you could you could argue that those are the two most important positions 
to recruit in college football. You need a stud quarterback and you need guys that can go get the quarterback in a, in a quick fashion. So at the moment, Notre Dame has neither, but you know, I'm confident in their ability to, in the last couple of classes, you, for example, you're super high on Aiden Gobira. He's going to have to make a huge step uh, this off season in order to, in order to make some uh, sig- significant plays and just be a, a contributing member of, uh, of the Viper position or Notre Dame might be in trouble at that, at that spot. Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, I think I had Jordan Patello ranked the number one player in his class when he came into Notre Dame, and obviously I had Gobira last year, so there still kind of remains to be seen on Gobira. But if I was if I was right about those two things, we'd we'd be looking pretty, uh, you know, we'd we'd be looking pretty next year um, at that position. And you know, obviously, like I said, Patello hasn't worked out as hoped, but you know, we hope that a guy like Gobira and then you know Joshua Burnham, at least at the time of his recruitment, we didn't know that he'd be flipped or switched to you know defensive line and Viper specifically. So um, we don't really know what we're getting there um, next season. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in a, you know, a transfer at that spot. Um, Kind of the same thing with wide receiver, even with bringing in all these guys, it wouldn't be surprising if they brought in, you know, just a kind of a veteran presence. So um, let's dive into the class a little bit though, Mason. I mean, obviously we said it's ranked number three. Um, They have a lot of, you know, just like a lot of really good talent coming in. I'm just kind of looking at, um, the class as a whole here. Like I said, there's three wide receivers committed right now, Jaden Greathouse, Raylan James, and uh, Rico Flores. All three of those guys are, are I think, top 200-ish or better um, around, or at least around that, depending on the website you look at. Um, like I said, three running backs, Jaden Lamar, Jeremiah Love, Dylan Edwards. I think in at least Jeremiah Love's and Dylan Edwards' case, they have the ability to also play wide receiver or be used in kind of different ways. Um, Dylan Edwards kind of reminds me, just as a Notre Dame and a Bears fan, he kind of reminds me of a mix of Chris Tyree and like Tariq Cohen, where, you know, not the tallest guy, probably isn't going to be an in-between-the-tackles runner, but is just electric when you can get him in space. And uh, so I think that they're just going to find ways to use to use him uh, in different ways. They did lose an offensive line commit in Elijah Page a few weeks back, but they still have four guys um, committed. You have obviously Charles Jagasaw, who's kind of the crown jewel of that, of maybe the class in general outside of Peyton Bowen, who we'll get to here in a second. Um, but you have Sullivan Absher, um, Sam Pendleton, and Joe Audin. Um, I would say Absher is probably a tackle along with Jagasaw, and the other two guys are probably more interiors. Um, like I said, no QB committed, uh, one of the best tight ends in the country and Cooper Flanagan. And, uh, do you, I don't know if you want to take it away first for some defensive perspective as well, but it's, it's hard to be outside of the QB position. It's really hard to be upset with the, uh, with the offensive talent that they're bringing in. Yeah. And then looking defensively, the safety position looks really nice with a ton of speed. Notre Dame wanted to add three safeties and it did so with Ben Minnick, a uh, big fan of his game. I wasn't super familiar with him, but the process happened quickly. He wanted Notre Dame and they made it happen. Things have been a little bit shaky. I guess a little bit would be an understatement with Peyton Bowen. I'm hoping that all gets figured out soon with Oklahoma not looking good. Texas A&M looks like a shit show right now. Those are the other two um, op- opponents for Peyton Bowen, if you will. Um, and then looking at the, the defensive line, could have been an outstanding class. There were some great uh, talent that Notre Dame was in on, but it's still a very good class. I'm high on Brendan Vernon, even though he continues to drop in the rankings. Uh, Bubakar Traore, the good player that Notre Dame flipped from Boston College. I think that he can be an impact player for Notre Dame. Devin Houston, solid player. Um, I think that he's going to be an interior guy just based on his build right now. And then Armel Mukum is kind of the wild card here. 
uh, I was notoriously out on him um, a couple weeks back, but um, he is the lone edge player here for Notre Dame just recently started playing football. So the, the, you know, his potential is through the roof. You'd love to see um, the eval there, former hockey player, Mookum, uh, good feet. I like what he, what he shows on the football field. It just needs more time to get adjusted. Um, a good trio of linebackers. I like the approach there with Burnham, as you mentioned a minute ago, moving down to edge or Viper, wherever he ends up. So bringing in another trio of linebackers, I'm really specifically high on Drake Bowen, Indiana kid. Got to see him play a handful of times, like his game a lot. I think he's going to be very good at Notre Dame. He's been the, the leader of this class. Jaden Osbury, straight from Louisiana, uh, University Lab, right on LSU's campus. You'd like to see that too. Um, they offer different skill sets, this linebacker group does. I don't know if there's necessarily a, a rover in this in this group. I think they're interior guys, but I, I really like each of their games specifically, and I think they complement each other well. Osbury specifically with his ability to um, to blitz from the inside linebacker position. So, um, yeah, as far as defense, I think it's a good class. I think it's a balanced class. I really like the talent that Notre Dame is bringing in. I think there's a lot of potential studs here and, and a couple of sleepers as well, but we'll get into that. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Mukum. He kind of reminds me of like a a, a raw Treor. Um, you know, they they seem like they have similar builds, and you know, Treor might just be a little bit more advanced, played football a little bit longer. And I know how excited we were when they flipped him from Boston College. Um, just kind of one of those guys that seems like you know he's kind of on that cusp of top one hundred. Um, but it, it feels like he's going to be a really impactful player um, at the collegiate level. Smart you know, plays good competition, you know, that, that Massachusetts, Virginia area has been very kind to Notre Dame over the years, whenever they've wanted guys out of that, out of that system. And I, you know, he's actually teammates with a big 2024 offensive line target for Notre Dame as well. So maybe they can kind of get into that school a little bit and, and, and start winning some battles there uh, on a consistent basis, but um, getting into some guys that they're still in on, I think the big name to know, I mean, I mentioned Brandon Hillman, obviously sort of a, an athlete take for them. And if you look at, 24-7 sports on three rivals, wherever you get your recruiting info from, I personally recommend 24-7 sports for at least from a, a, a regular perspective. Um, he's obviously boosted up the rankings a little bit. He's now kind of on the cusp of being a four-star and a lot of tar a lot of offers um, in, in recent weeks. I mean, I think he just got a big Oklahoma offer that he's considering as well. Um, but certainly a guy that right now feels like a Notre Dame lean and, and a kid that they, you can, you're just going to put on the field and, and figure out or get him on campus, figure out the rest later. Um, Tayshawn Lyons. I've heard, I've heard the last name pronounced differently by some I've heard Leon Leons or Leons. Um, but it's looks like lions to me. So I'm just going to roll with that until I know for sure. Yeah. Lions sounds cool. Um, and yeah, and and it's a badass last name if, if that's what it is. Um, so Tayshawn Lyons, I know Tom Lloyd dropped something earlier today. I'm not going to get into that because it's paid content, but essentially, you know, everybody knows that he's been, you know, Notre Dame's sort of been his leader for a while. There are definitely some other guys or other programs after him, but he'd be a, a really nice get for Notre Dame. I know when they originally offered, he was sort of a three-star and people hated it. Now he's a four-star. People love him. I think that's kind of just the fickle fandom in recruiting with people that follow it somewhat, you know, nonchalantly, I guess, for lack of a better word. 
And, you know, I think he just, he's a smooth route runner. I think he can work on his hands a little bit, but you can work with a guy that, you know, is six, one, six, two runs smooth routes as fast. And it seems like he's getting better by the day. Um, that that's definitely a, a, a guy you can work with and plays good competition uh, in California as well. Uh, Khalil Barnes, I think he's going to be on campus for the Clemson game. He's a guy that they recently offered um, kind of in the, in the Lions mold in the sense that if Lions goes elsewhere, then maybe they turn up the heat on a guy like Barnes, but he's going to be on campus in two weeks. And um, we'll, we'll see where Notre Dame stands there. He also has a Clemson offer. So, you know, that, you know, you know, you know he's a talented football player from that regard. Um, Christopher Turek was on campus a few, uh, a few weeks ago. He's a Wisconsin lineman commit. He's sort of the replacement that they're looking at right now from Elijah Page leaving the class. I think he's actually more of an interior guy, but can probably play right tackle um, if need be as well. Um, I think those are kind of the four names kind of to think of right now. I mean, I, like I said, I know there's probably going to be some, you know, defensive end is still a, a position that they're sort of looking at. Um, they don't really have like a current offer out there that feels like a realistic target per se, unless someone kind of randomly flips. And I think me and you have followed recruiting enough that you know that guys kind of randomly flip or get randomly back in the mold. I remember, I know, I know he's no longer with Notre Dame, but I remember when Kari G um, kind of just in the last like two weeks, right before signing day, all of a sudden he was a name that we hadn't heard before that. Um, so we'll see how that works. I mean, I know, like I said earlier, Avery Johnson is a name that's been kind of mentioned a few times here and there at QB. Um, I'll believe it when I see it, you know, you kind of have to get him on campus, kind of the same thing with Jackson Arnold. I know there was some talk about maybe getting him back on campus for Clemson. I'll believe it when I see it. And if he gets back for Clemson, then, you know, who knows what will happen from there. But, um, you know, and then obviously I know there's some other, some other QB um, targets out there. You know, the one that's being mentioned around message boards these days is that the, the kid from Arizona, who's a terrific baseball prospect. I'm not going to, I think it's like rock Cholowski. Um, personally, I watched, actually, I watched his huddle film randomly yesterday after hearing some stuff. He only has a New Mexico state offer in football, but I feel like if he was a kid that was 100% committed to playing college football, he would have more power. He would have specifically more offers and also more power five offers. Um, and, you know, he, at this point in time, he almost seems incredible. And you tell me if you think I'm just blowing smoke, Mason, I, I want this to be like, I don't want to just agree on everything here necessarily, but after watching his film, I don't see, and like, again, unless Avery Johnson or Jackson Arnold or someone like that rethinks and kind of gets into the class, those guys aside, I'm almost okay with taking a kid like that who's a super athletic freak, obviously could be a first-round pick in, in the baseball draft coming up this next season, um, which right then and there already tells you something about the guy. But you're probably not going to get a kid in 2023 that's going to a compete for a spot next year or B have all these offers on the table that he's considering that are around the same as Notre Dame and flipping a kid, whatever it may be. Why not bring in the kid that has some freak athlete to him, see what happens. Maybe he doesn't even get to campus and then go get a portal guy. And, and, you know, maybe you have this like crazy diamond in the rough um, for QB because right now it just seems like I'd rather almost go big in that aspect, even though it doesn't seem big from a recruiting perspective, I'd rather go big and bold from that perspective than bring in some kid that you're not that excited about. And he's just going to sit the bench and eventually he's going to transfer to Virginia, you know, in three years. So 
that's kind of my little rant on it, but I don't know. I, after watching his film specifically, I feel like that's not the worst route you can take unless one of those big names that we've already talked about, you know, come crawling back to you. Yeah. I think that approach is fine rather than taking a guy that, you know, maybe he'll become something as, as like a, a safe quarterback, if that makes sense. Um, I like the approach of going after a guy that could be all or nothing. And at the very least, you have CJ Carr in your next class. So if you swing and a miss, you know, I don't want to ever say a quarterback's a sure thing, but CJ Carr looks to be, you know, a, a solid quarterback. So you have an opportunity to take a flyer on somebody. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Um, yeah, I'm looking at that Raj Chalowski. I don't. I think it's Rock. I think it's pronounced Rock. rock. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool name. Um, it is a yeah, cool name. <laughs> I, I need I'm about it. Uh, I have to watch the film. Um, I was familiar with him, but I wasn't sure the, the likelihood of that all coming together. But yeah, take a flyer. Why not? Screw it. I mean, so the, right the one the one thing I liked about him too is first of all, he's a UCLA baseball commit, um, big time program. Like I said, like if he wants to go pro after his senior year of high school and baseball, he can. He'll be a first, second round pick, no no problem. Um, but there's been some talk out there that he wants to go to college. And right now, Notre Dame, specifically baseball-wise, has some some nice, you know, helium to it. I, I know you like that I use that word. That's like one of my favorite words to use. Um, but but the program is on is on the upswing. The new coach doesn't seem to be letting letting loose in that regard from a recruiting perspective. They've they've had a really good um couple of weeks on the trail. And he goes to one of the top programs in Arizona um, from a sports perspective, like an athletic perspective, football, baseball, whatever. And he's their star baseball player, star quarterback. And I, just when I was watching his film yesterday, it, he was not only was he athletic where he can, you know, he can pick up yards with his legs, but he, he was able to, and you see this a lot with guys who play football and baseball who are who play quarterback, like Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, et cetera. They have this like innate ability to throw the ball from different arm angles and get themselves out of interesting spots where maybe some other players wouldn't be able to make that throw. I saw at least like three or four different occasions where he was able to sort of just drop his arm or do some weird funky arm angle and complete a pass. I thought he had some nice touch. Um, he has a good build. It says he's listed at 6'2", 180, 190. It's fine for a quarterback. Um, and like I said, he's he's athletic. I, I, I get he has some nice touch on the ball. He he doesn't have maybe the best arm strength, like the elite upper tier football arm strength where you see guys chucking 80 yards through the air on their knees. Not like that, but it's it's more than more than good. Um, so again, I feel, feel like I'm talking up a kid who just has a New Mexico State offer in football, but after specifically just sitting down and watching his film, at this point, I just don't see another kid that's going to, again, like I said, unless it's Avery Johnson, Jackson Arnold, Dante Moore, or whatever, rethinking their decision and coming to Notre Dame, I don't see a, an option out there that gets me excited. And at least this kid, I, in my opinion, has the upside that's like, man, like that's going to be interesting down the road if he if he decides to play football full time. Yeah, for sure. Why not get somebody with that the arm angle thing? We're seeing that become more and more of a thing. Is it seems like a trend where NFL teams are looking at guys that have played baseball in their past or have that other multi sport background, specifically baseball, that 
kind of the ability to throw sidearm, almost like a shortstop that you see Mahomes do week in and week out. So right. uh, they're looking for that ability and not that you're going to find Mahomes in every prospect. I think he's one in a million, but yeah, um, being able to just throw from different angles, not just have to sit back in the pocket, same arm slot, but be able to just be creative. Yeah, no, absolutely. So again, not trying to talk him up too much, but it just, it's a name that's kind of come up in recent weeks. And like I said, a flyer on him, I think is better than a flyer on other guys. Maybe you can get Drake Bowen in on him because Drake Bowen's a big, a big time baseball player as well. Um, not to that level to where he's getting drafted right now out of high school, you know, in, in 12 months or whatever, but um, it wouldn't be a surprise to me, at least if Bowen was a baseball draft pick at some point in his lifetime. So um, certainly some, maybe you can get him in and <laughs> get him in the class that way. So you want to get into 2024 a little bit? Oh uh, we- yeah. I mean, they're off to, they're off to a good start. I'm pulling the pull it up here now, but specifically Cam Williams might be, I don't even know if he should be a my guy because it's already so early, but what I've seen from him is just unbelievable. Um what Cam Williams has been able to do and the fact that Notre Dame has him in the fold already when they, I guess not super recently, but they've kind of struggled at receiver and the fact that he's already in the class, I haven't seen anything that makes me worry about him moving on uh, or like looking elsewhere. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, CJ Carr headlining the class looks like he's not going anywhere either. The guy that Notre Dame has been pushing for or had pushed for and finally have a stud quarterback four or five star, depending on where you're looking a guy in the class, um, BDS, Brandon Davis, Swain on the interior defensive line uh, from Michigan. Um, he kind of committed out of the blue, would you say? So that was a little bit strange. I didn't necessarily think that one was going to happen so quickly, but he seemed to really love Notre Dame. I, I do wonder and worry a little bit about if that has staying power. I don't know if you have any thoughts there. Yeah, no, he's definitely been making some visits. So you got to worry there. And I think he committed because he really liked Al Washington. And so, I mean, I guess as long as Al Washington's on staff, I don't expect him going anywhere, obviously, but um, we'll see if that connection kind of remains strong. And you you hope that Notre Dame obviously puts a better product on the field next season. And that will help with some of these guys sticking if he's still in the class, but, you know, obviously he's a Michigan kid. I'm sure Michigan, Michigan state, those teams are always going to appeal to him a little bit. Um, I'm sure he's getting some, you know, some other, some other offers out there and visiting some other programs. So it's hard to blame the kid. Like you said, he committed out of the blue. Um, Sometimes it feels like those kids, it's, it's one of two things with those kids, right? It's either that they really wanted that offer that they committed to um, kind of like Dylan Edwards, you know, he was committed to Kansas state, but Notre Dame offered, he got to campus like five days later and committed two days after that kind of thing. So it's either one of those kind of situations where it's like, boom, that's the offer I wanted. So I have nowhere else I want to go. Or it's, you know, you get kind of like trigger happy. You you visit a campus, you're in awe of what's going on. And, you know, you, you don't want to say no. The, 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 you know, the coaching staff tells you, hey, you can commit. We really like you. And it's like, oh, man, that's really cool. I want to commit. And then all of a sudden you start visiting other programs and you're awestruck by those programs too. So um, I think that's kind of where it is with him a little bit more so than just like, oh, I really love Notre Dame. I think it has to do like he just he he gets force fed all this different nice stuff and it and it's appealing and I, it's hard to blame the kid for that. Yeah, I would take all my visits too. Like I don't know if I would have committed as early in the process. I, I've never been a four or five star talent before, but um, I think you know we talked about that before. If I was a stud athlete, I'd take all my visits. I don't know if I'd be wanting the school I'm committed to to worry, but 
you know, I'd be all over the place seeing, seeing game days, not necessarily like Peyton Bowen's doing, but maybe, you know, if my brother was a stud too, going out and just seeing, seeing the country kind of for free, depending on where you're going, maybe you're getting paid to do so. So why not? Right. Right. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned Cam Williams and CJ Carr. I think those are two guys that kind of like a Drake Bowen are no matter how bad Notre Dame is doing, it seems like they're going to stick. Um, I would argue probably the same thing for Owen Wafel. Um, he seems like a, a kid that just wanted to be at Notre Dame. And I think uh, Lar- you could throw Larson in there as well. I don't know much about Peter Jones. That's fair. That's fair. But all those guys, usually when guys commit early, you know, I, I know you can throw out other, other guys who have committed early that it, it doesn't end up that way. Keon Keeley obviously was the first kid committed to Notre Dame in 2023. And now he's gone. But typically speaking, the kids that commit early know what program they want to go to. Um, that's kind of, I think that's the general consensus. It seems that way. Most of those kids kind of end up sticking and be sort and are, are, they're kind of like the, the forefront of your class and the builders of your class. I mean, Blake Fisher was a pretty early commit a few years back and he was sort of the, you know, the, the big, the big guy in that recruiting class. I already mentioned Drake Bowen. So, um, I see most of these guys sticking. I know Brandon Davis Swain was also the first guy kind of like Keeley, and he's sort of the one that we're worried about. Um, but overall, you know, Wayful, Carr, Larson, Williams, Jones, uh, all guys that I think will probably remain committed to Notre Dame unless something crazy happens. So, um, and, and like I said, Carr and Williams seem to be very close. And I think that helps because I think they want to play with each other um, at the collegiate level. Yeah, and I think they'll have an opportunity to the way that the quarterback and wide receiver positions are shaping up. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Any, I, I know you're big on Bronte Johnson, but any, yeah. uh, any other, I mean, obviously like Ryan Wingo, Emmett Mosley, um, you know, Burdell Richardson, Jeremiah McClellan, those are kind of like, I guess, guys, to keep, we can probably kind of get into more names for 2024 just because a lot of guys are still uncommitted. Um, those are kind of like the guys I'm really looking at in the uh, wide receiver class, at least right yeah, now. There's a dude, Mylon Graham. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I don't know if I see Mylon Graham working out for Notre Dame. Yeah, still um, a stud. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I was actually, I was just talking to a buddy about this earlier. Um, actually, it was Kyle Kelly of, uh, of Rivals. And I get Tysir Denmark, I think is announcing here soon. And he, I, I saw some, there were some crystal balls that came in for him to go to Ohio state. And they're also in on um, the, like one of the top r- wide receivers in the country and Jeremiah Smith. I'm like, and then I think Mylon Graham ends up there too. So take those guys and leave me with wing, leave us with Wingo and McClellan and, you know, Mosley and the guys we want. Stop get, get Heartline off of some of our guys. Yeah, that almost has to be the approach with Ohio State because how can you argue with their production? So let them pick their three or four because if you're a wide receiver, why in the world would you go anywhere else? Right. So let them if they pick their three or four, hopefully <laughs> they just screw off and then you go attack after that. Right, right. And you know, the weird thing about this class too, like so far is it looks like O-line is the one that's shaping up sort of like we don't really know what's going on there. They do have Peter Jones committed. Yeah. Um, I think that they're probably the top school or at least borderline, like or like right in those like top two or three for Gerby Lambert, the kid that's from, uh, you know, Trey Orr school as well. But they only have two other offers out. And so that, that's always, that, that's interesting to see how that kind of shapes out. You know, maybe if they land Tarek in the 2023 class, you could argue that, you know, only getting three guys in 2024 is at least an option, but 
everywhere else. I mean, it seems like they offer a, a defensive lineman every other day yeah. in, in 2024. And I, I love that because it means that they're not going to maybe get in this situation like they were this year where Keeley leaves and you, know, you're, you get kind of screwed. You know, maybe some yeah. of these guys, I mean, I, I wouldn't even say that's not really fair because they, they landed a bunch of guys early and obviously guys commit and Keeley sort of decommitted at a weird spot in the process. And, you know, they're still in on some guys there. So we'll see where, where it works out, but there, it seems like they're almost going to get their pick of the litter this year in defensive line recruiting. They already have two committed. Um, would love to get like a true Viper um, involved there as well. So we'll see what happens. I know Elijah Rushing is a big name that a lot of people like to talk about, a five-star kid out of Arizona. Um, a, a kid I really like is Williams Nawari um, from Missouri. Keep that Missouri pipeline going. Peyton um, Woodyard at safety. Peyton, yeah, Peyton Wood. I'm not sure that's going to end well for Notre Dame, unfortunately, either. I don't think so either, but um, they seem Emmett to have Mosley, a lot of. I'm looking through the offers now. Emmett Mosley and Is Williams. Yeah, no, I mentioned Mosley with wide receivers and Is Williams. I'm I'm big on as well. Um, I'm also big on that kid from Wisconsin, Corey Smith. Um, Sammy the, Brown, the linebacker from Georgia. I don't Sam, know if he's, Sammy Brown's going to be a tough pull, but he would obviously be terrific. But the hair, um, you need that. Need the hair. Need the hair. You guys haven't seen Sammy Brown has this blonde mullet, so like grown out. And it looks great. Yeah, exactly. Much better mullet than I can provide you guys. I'll tell you that much. I can grow one. You want me to? Hey man, if it's there for Clemson, I'm all in. <laughs> um, yeah, um, we should we should shout that out that we're gonna be there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, we will uh we will be there for Clemson. Uh, my flight's not officially booked, but I'm I'm going. <laughs> I'll be there. Right. Um, Scott is a name. Say again. Justin Scott. Yeah, I was gonna, I was going to mention. I mean, just more of the D lineman. I mean, you got Justin Scott. You have the Smith brothers, which would be cool to get another brother combo down down below, or yep. down in the trenches would be would be fun. I'm really high on TJ Lindsay. I know he's right now he's not ranked or he's a three star or whatever, but I'm really high on him out of Arkansas. And I think if he has a quote unquote committable offer that he'll be Notre Dame's um, at some point. Thompson. That's a cool name. Say that again. Champ Thompson. He's at Champ, the bottom. Yeah. Champ uh, Thompson. Don't see him coming, but big oh, also, but also cool. a big name. Um, you know, I'm not really worried about linebackers. It seems like they'll be fine there. Like usual Peyton Pierce was just on campus, uh, four-star kid out of Texas. Um, I know they're high on Christopher Jones, Adarius Hayes. Um Jacqueline Birdsong, if you want to go by names, it's a a big name. (laughs) Um, Anthony Specca is a guy that they seem to be pretty high on, uh, might be trending elsewhere. But no, there's a lot of names right now. And um, the the one big name that they lost recently was Caleb Beasley. Uh, Probably about two months ago, if you would have asked me, um, then I would have said he was probably Notre Dame's. But unfortunately, um, you know, I think, I, I don't even think this is a, uh, one of those situations where they lost out on him because they're having a bad season. I think they lost out on him because the in-state school is essentially, are they the number one team in the country after beating Bama? I forget. Did they hop? Well, they are not. You can't compete with what Tennessee's doing right now. They look unbelievable. Go right. beat Bama. You're putting goalposts and rivers. I mean, <laughs> hey kid, yeah. that's awesome. It's like if Notre Dame was was seven and zero and had beaten Bama or whoever, or beaten Ohio State and Clemson, pretty much any kid that's around the Indiana Chicago area, if they wanted to offer them, they would get them. Justin Scott, Bronte, exactly. So, all the above. 
that's kind of the situation at hand. Maybe we'll see what happens next year when Tennessee probably isn't as good without Hendon Hooker and, and those guys. But, you know, they do have Nico Yamanieva coming in, who's a big name. So, well, yeah, we'll see. Um, I mean, I, I think that's probably a guy that Notre Dame is going to continue to pursue. They're not going to let up until, you know, until Penn goes to paper, and that's still a while away. But I guess we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. But he was a big loss. I think he was a kid that was not only trending in Notre Dame at one point, but is also very talented at cornerback. Yeah, and you, yeah, you could argue Notre Dame was a leader for a long time. I like his game a lot, but you know, like like we said, you can't really compete with what Tennessee's doing right now, and they haven't been this good in a long time. So shout out to them. I like seeing teams that haven't been good for a little while do well, especially um, you know a, a big school like Tennessee, not necessarily a blue bud, but, but a school that you like to see do well. And uh, I'm always a fan of whoever beats Bama. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but hey, do you, I mean, I know we didn't, we, that's kind of, I mean, we talked a little bit about, do you, you want to get into some basketball stuff or do you want to, um, and yeah. maybe at least throw in some predictions for Syracuse? Yeah. Touch on basketball for a second. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and lead that and I'll, uh, kind of throw in my thoughts and then we get hit Syracuse real quick. The Golden Homers are brought to you by Generations Barbershop, a Notre Dame themed barbershop that has been keeping Irish fans looking good since 1930. Brent and Gill are located on Lincoln Way East in Mishawaka, Indiana. Open 8 to 5 and by appointment, call or text Brent at 574-250-0622. That's 574-250-0622. Hey, it's Nathan from the Golden Homers here to tell you about meetupvegas.com. Want to eat the same quality meats that the great chefs in Las Vegas use? I got the hookup for you. Delivered straight to your front door, meetupvegas.com offers steaks, pork chops, premium chicken breasts, prime rib, you name it. Check out meetupvegas.com and use code IRISH10 at checkout to receive $10 off your order. Yeah, so let's get into a, a little bit of the basketball recruiting. And, you know, Notre Dame already pretty much has their 2023 class solidified, which is, I wouldn't say it's early, but it definitely happened kind of quickly. Um, and the, and I don't know if we've talked about this. I think we talked about it on a space is not on the podcast. So I'm okay. I'm kind of comfortable saying it again. The one thing that I really like about the 2023 class specifically for, for Notre Dame, um, in basketball or N Notre Dame men's hoops, I should say, just so no one gets it, no one gets it confused for the women's team. Um, they, they offered a, a few guys. They were in on some some top-notch guys early. Unfortunately, they didn't win out on some of those recruitment uh, recruitments. Like TJ Power comes to mind as a guy that they really wanted. Um, a couple other guys um, that are committed elsewhere, you know, specifically at the guard spots and so on and so forth. But they didn't waste time by offering some of their plan B options that are better than like your typical plan Bs. They knew a kid like Marcus Burton, when they, when they, when they offered, he would probably commit on the spot. And that's essentially what he did. I would not be surprised if he committed to Mike Bray immediately after receiving the offer. And I know he goes to your, your alma mater or your high school. And, um, you, know, you might have a little bit, you might have some takes on him that I don't know, or you might have some info on him that I don't know just because he's from your area, but it, he essentially committed a few days after the offer, but I, I'd be shocked if he didn't commit on the spot. He's already a four-star when he was unranked when Notre Dame offered him and a kid that I think if he wasn't a, a clear cut, I'm going to Notre Dame all the way would have more offers under his belt. He probably does and just hasn't you know released that on social media. A lot of guys do that. Um, which brings up a point that we don't really need to get into too much, but I think so many guys 
don't have the offer list on like 24 seven sports or rivals or on three that they are, should get, get, get given credit for because they just don't announce them because they're, they're locked into their programs. Um, and I think that's the case here with Burton, but then they land a kid like Parker Friedrichson and Brady Dunlap Friedrichson from Oklahoma Dunlap from California, two States that they don't really recruit at a high level very often. Um, I mean, I know Rex Fluger comes to mind as a kid that they landed a few years back from, from California, but I mean, I think you have to go back to like Humphrey on a kid that came from to Notre Dame from Oklahoma. So um, I, I like them expanding the board a little bit there and and finding kids in different areas. And uh, it, it's um it's a solid class, even if it's not an amazing class. Um, and I think it's a program building class uh, for Notre Dame. I think program building is is the right phrase here because I do think that the class before was a great class. And you're talking about two freshmen that are looking to be starting day one this season and Starling and Ben Allen Lubin. So, I mean, what more can you ask for from an Notre Dame program that doesn't recruit all that well? Mike Bray likes to get guys in that he's high on and get old and stay old is kind of the thing with him. So, you know, he brings guys into the system. Maybe they don't play a lot for two, two and a half, maybe even three years. And then, they start to really get their groove and their older players that know how to play in the Mike Bray system and uh, learn to be successful that way with older veteran talented skill players. So um, as far as my take on Burton, I think that he, it's just unfortunate that he's small because I think he's a, probably like a top 50, top 75 player. If for reference on 24 seven sports, he's ranked as a 115th player in the country. If he had, if he gained three or four inches on his height, I think he's a top 50 player in the country, but he has the proven ability to, to score the ball at, at all three levels. Um, he assists. I mean, he's a great playmaker. He has a little bit of Demetrius Jackson to him. And I think that just the, the skill level that's in Northern Indiana basketball right now is so high. When you think of the names like Demetrius Jackson, Austin Torres, Jaden Ivey, uh, Blake Wesley, all these guys, and there's guys that go other elsewhere too, but the guys that have stayed, you know, roughly local uh, JR that's at Notre Dame now, who I think will be good eventually. There's a really high skill level, and Marcus Burton's by far the best player in the area, and I think that says a lot. So I really like his game. I haven't watched a ton of Friedrichson or Dunlap. I've watched their film maybe once or twice. Uh, I do think it's a program-building class at all three levels, depending on how Dunlap fills out his bodies at 6'7", 180 from what I'm reading right now. Kind of reminds me of the same build as Nate, but uh, I like what I see in all three, and I think that all three can be – Productive scores for Notre Dame at the very least. I worry a little bit about them developing defensively, but that's kind of been the way that things go for Mike Bray in terms of uh, in terms of stretch guys that you know they're lanky, but can they can they bang down low? Notre Dame struggles down low. Yeah, I mean, just kind of touching on Friedrichson and and um, Dunlap specifically. Friedrichson is like your typical Notre Dame guard who's a good shooter. Might not be the most athletic guy on the court, but certainly not unathletic per se. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of Steve Vistoria, um, just kind of a dead eye shooter with, um, you know, with some height, you know, and, and I think that's the one thing that we probably should give Mike Bray credit for is he's not like he just brings in these kids that are like unathletic, only can shoot. And they like they're six two or something like that. Like, no, he's consistent with bringing in, first of all, some guys that are probably more athletic than giving credit for us. I mean, you look at a guy like Pat Connaughton who blew up the combine, you know, when he left Notre Dame, you know, he was like kind of like that borderline top 100 kid that can shoot, but was six, five, six, six. 
Steve Asturio is 6'4", 6'5". And you look at the roster right now, Dan Goodwin, Cormac, Cormac Ryan, um, you know, those guys are 6'4", 6'5", plus, you know, and so, and, and they can shoot lights out. So, um, so that that's kind of the mold I see Friedrichsen in is a kid sort of like a Steve Asturia, who's definitely a guard. I don't think he's going to be a good win where he kind of mixes in down low a little bit um, or Connaughton where he mixes in down low. He's this legitimate number two or number three player on your roster or, or position wise. Um, and then Dunlap, I mean, you, you brought up an interesting example with Nate. He's definitely not as tall as Nate because Nate's definitely like 6'10", 6'11". But I kind of view him as like a sort of like JR uh, Coney Etchney with a little bit less athleticism, but a little bit more down low presence, if that makes any sense. Okay. Um, like he's a guy that can definitely play the four for you. I think you reminds me of Nate because he's so skinny. Something about his build, but yet you are right about Nate being taller. Well, and I'm like, and it's, it's a weird, it's even a weird kind of situation comparing him to JR. Cause I think JR is like maybe the best athlete on their team. Um, he's just a little bit less developed physically. And that's why he wasn't able to play as a freshman, but it looks like he's sort of trending to possibly playing this year, even though at first people were thinking he was going to take a red shirt year, kind of like Tim, Abram- Tim Abramidas a few years back. Um, but it looks like he might be trending towards actually having a, some sort of role on this roster, but if not, you know, next year and beyond, I think he'll be, you know, a key component for them. Um, and even this year, like, even if he's the eighth guy, get him some minutes and then next year have him be in that starting lineup for you. But Dunlap does provide a little bit more down low presence. Um, he does have some bang to him, even though he's skinny, um, but he can score down low. He doesn't play like below the rim. He can play above the rim in certain aspects. Um, and then he can also shoot. And you know that Bray likes his guys, even like they're, they're big men to be able to shoot. So I think they're going to go, go get a big man in the big man in the portal this year. Um, with Nate out the door and, you know, who knows, I honestly, I don't want to go too far into this, but Lubin could be a guy like Wesley, where you weren't expecting him to go pro after year one, not saying it's going to happen. I'm just that high on him. I'm that high on his athletic ability specifically. And if he's anywhere close to being like six, nine, because I know like right now people question what his height is. I think he's listed at six, eight, but if he's like, six eight and a half closer to six nine even then and he and he has that bounce to him that I think he does like it would not surprise me 100 if he was a kid that left year one but maybe like a hundred percent year two so you definitely need to bring in some big men whether it's a grad transfer for next year or not um you, you need to bring in some guys because this yeah I mean this has to be the year for Notre Dame I think it's sweet 16 or kind of a bust, uh, especially when you're that high on Lubin. You're more educated on the basketball team than I am. I start to start, you know, studying them now roughly. So I get get to know the roster in and out before the season starts. But starting to worry me now with a guy like J.J. Starling that could very well be a one- or two-year guy. And then all of a sudden <laughs> the two studs <laughs> from the 2022 cycle are gone. But that's kind of the way basketball goes. But there's benefits to that. You start you start being a program that can that's proven to put guys in the NBA after one or two years, like Wesley, for example. You keep doing that, or just keep producing NBA guys in general. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe because I said Jr. is a terrific athlete. If Jr. can fill out physically, and by year four at Notre Dame, you know maybe he's not like a first round draft pick, but you know maybe he's like a second round pick or gets a shot, kind of like a guy like Matt Ryan or something. 
who's now making a name for himself in the NBA a little bit. If he's a guy like that, then you start putting more guys in the NBA and you know, you'll start winning more recruiting battles because of that. And I, I know you mentioned like Marcus Burton's height, but from a, from just a pure quickness and ability standpoint, Marcus Burton can probably play in the NBA. His height might limit him, but from an athletic profile standpoint, if he was a guy that was six, three, he'd probably be a top 50 prospect in the country. So um, I think they're starting to win some of these battles that they need to win. I mean, you can even look at 2024. I was joking around with, with uh, Tom Loy uh, yesterday that I was their, their new, their new basketball guy. Cause I put out, I think, what was it new? I think I put out four different <laughs> offers on the website yesterday for him, letting them know, cause no one else was doing it. Um, but Notre Dame offered four, four guys yesterday in uh, the 2024 class. Um we can kind of run through some of those names right now. The biggest name to know in the 2024 class is James Brown, um, who's had an offer for a long time. Was just on campus for an official visit. Um, don't know if he is like he's he's not a finished product, and I know none of these guys are. But I think he's a little bit more raw than your typical like top 50 player. Um, but certainly a guy from an athletic profile standpoint can be a top you know can be a five star. Um, and you know right in your backyard, St. Rita out of Illinois in Chicago. Um, so he's, that's definitely a player that they should be in on, on a yearly basis. Um, he was, like I said, just on campus for an official visit guys. They offered yesterday, J- Jaleel Bethea out of Pennsylvania, Elijah Moore out of New York. Ironically enough, not the same Elijah Moore that is placed for the jets that you kindly reminded me of, uh, from yesterday, uh, Jaden Juke Harris, great name, Juke Harris out of North Carolina. Um, all three of those guys are guards. And then they offered a kid named Sir Muhammad, also out of North Carolina, who's kind of like a, a shooting guard, small forward type. So a few other names. I mean, there's a few other offers. Like I really like Royce Parham out of Pennsylvania, who's a big man. I would love to land both him and Brown. I think that'd be a really good class that supplements not landing big men in 2023. Um, and then Khan, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Khan Knopel or, or Nupel, whatever, out of Wisconsin. You know, whenever you have a basketball player at Wisconsin, you probably just assume they're going to land at like Marquette or Wisconsin, especially if if they want them. But um, I think he was their first offer or like very close to their first offer in this in this class. And he's a kid that I'd love to land because I, um, I think he could be a borderline special talent. So um, right now, obviously, no, there's no commits in the 2024 class. That's a long ways away. Um, but who knows um, where, where that will go. Yeah, not a whole lot to add there. Like, admittedly, don't dive in too much into basketball recruiting until like, I you know a guy's legitimately interested in Notre Dame. But uh, you want to get into our score predictions for this weekend? Yeah, let's do um, let's do Irish in the NFL first. Yep. Um, I took some time on it this week, so I want to make sure we get it. Like I said, guys, we're like recruiting podcast. We want to do our normal our normal Irish in the NFL, and then we'll do score predictions. We're not going to do like bold predictions or anything like that this week. But an- another good week on the trail. I mean, uh, not on the trail. We're getting into recruiting, and I'm saying on the trail. Um, another good week in the NFL for Notre Dame guys. I think Tommy Tremble got his first uh, touchdown of the of the season. Happened to be on National Tight End Day or very close to it. Um, so so good there. Um, Brock Wright. I don't know if you were watching that game, Mason, when it happened, but he almost scored. He had four yeah. catches for 57 yards and he got tackled like on like the half yard line, um, which is annoying for me as a TJ Hawkinson owner, but I love it for Brock Wright. Um, Chase Claypool had another decent week, five for 41. Um, didn't score, but but definitely a, a good week from him. Are there any names? Hey, hey, that I'm... Up the place again. 
Say again. Oh, Cormoa all over the place again. Six tackles, tackle for loss, two passes defended, and a forced fumble. He just fills up the stat sheet every single week. Yeah, yeah, man. And to that, Julian Love, I think, had a fumble recovery this week and nine tackles, so another big week for him. Drew Tranquil, you know, gets seven to ten tackles on a weekly basis. Um, Julian Aquara had a tackle for loss. I think that was his first, you know, hit in the backfield this year. He hadn't really done much for him. I think he had actually been uh, benched a few weeks here and there, but, but, uh, you know, three tackles and one of those was a tackle for loss. Our boy, Kyle Hamilton finally, uh, did something at least from a stat sheet driven thing. It looks like he's been having a solid season in coverage, even though he doesn't have like an interception or whatever, but the analytical stacks, PFF, all those kind of, you know, things say he's had a good season so far, but he had a tackle for loss and a sack a QB hit. I think those are all kind of the same thing there, but, um, but good to see him sort of getting on the stat sheet in a real way. Um, this week as well yeah no doubt um yeah a lot of guys a lot of secondary and linebacker guys filling up the filling up the stat sheet here for Notre Dame a lot of tackles here <laughs> Julian Love is just always a repeat contributor here whether it's double digit tackles or he's has a clutch interception a fumble recovery a forced fumble he is a way better pro than I thought he would be I don't know I don't know why I knew he was a good corner at Notre Dame I didn't know mm-hmm. how well his game would translate to being a pro or even being a safety but you could argue he's a top five or seven safety in the entire league. And Julian Love's made a hell of a career for himself, including being a captain for a surprisingly good Giants team. Where'd that come from? Yeah, he's definitely getting some uh, – I think he's on his way to a nice little contract for sure. Uh, but, yeah, no, I don't ask me where the Giants came from because it's frustrating as a Bears fan. Um, a couple other guys that I forgot to put on here because they played Monday night, but as a Bears fan, I feel obligated to throw that out there a little bit. But uh, Equinemius St. Brown had his best uh, day of his – or best uh, game of the season so far for himself, four for 48, made some really big plays in that game for helping Justin Fields out. And then Cole Komet had that one really nice catch down the sideline that um, that was huge at the time, obviously. And I think the Bears ended up blowing out the, the Patriots when it was all said and done, but it was a nice catch. Um, kind of to seal that game. I think it was what a 30 yard reception maybe, but um, so it was a nice there. And then Sam Mustafer had to come in for an injured for, for, for uh, the bears injured center and actually played a really nice game, even though the me- memes aside, I know that one, uh, that one video that people were kind of filing around where he was sort of looking to block someone, but, uh, but overall might've been his best game. Um, this this season as well. So we don't have to get too much into off- offensive line play because there's way better offensive line in, in, in the NFL that went to Notre Dame. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, so Irish NFL, let's get into score predictions and then we'll, we'll get you guys out of here. Yeah, I've been kind of throwing this around because I watched Syracuse and Clemson very in-depth last week, Notre Dame's next two opponents. Um, Notre Dame, was it right? They opened as a two-point favorite and swung all the way back to Syracuse minus two and a half. I yeah, I think I was reading that. Like at one point, it might have even been Syracuse three and a half. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, Syracuse is minus two and a half right now. Minus two and a half, and I think that's a good line because I do think it'll probably be a three or four point game. Um, at the moment, I'm gonna go tw- right on the line, but um, the other way, 27-23 Notre Dame. I think they pull it out. I don't think Syracuse is that great. I think they're well coached. I think they're a veteran team. They have, they have the better quarterback play. Uh, I like their running back a lot, but <clears throat> I think Notre Dame has the better athletes. They're even though it didn't look like it, they've got to hit a groove at some point. 
getting another ranked win would be huge. Um, I've got, yeah, I, I think they're, I think they're able to do it 27, 23. I think it's a late score that does it actually. And it wouldn't surprise me if Syracuse led throughout a majority of the game. Yeah. I think I'm leaning kind of similar to you. It, it's just hard for me to pick Syracuse to beat Notre Dame. Like I know that that sounds bad because of how, first of all, Notre Dame's not been great this year. Syracuse isn't like this traditional good football program, obviously. I mean, they've had some good years, but specifically over the last like 20 or so years, they're, they're not like this known powerhouse or anything like that. And, you know, we know that Notre Dame has the, at least from a recruiting perspective, the better talent um, on the field. And we know that doesn't, that doesn't always transition team to team. The Syracuse team does have some talent. I think specifically in their, their back seven, um, their secondary um, it is solid. Their linebackers are probably the strength of their defense. Now, I will say their defensive line, I don't think is very good. Um, so maybe Notre Dame can, that can sometimes kill you. I mean, even though the, the linebackers can help in the run game, that can kill you if your front seven can't produce enough to where like you're not going to be able to, the, Notre Dame's offensive line can essentially get a, get a push and you can get five yards just like that before a linebacker even touches you. So I'm intrigued by that matchup. I think Notre Dame's offensive line can really dominate the game, which typically when they dominate the game, it means good things. Cause I think one thing we didn't really get into this week because we didn't really talk about it was this idea that Tommy Reese, I think might just stay away from Drew Pine and might just try to run it down people's throats the rest of the year. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, at least in certain aspects, obviously Drew Pine's going to have to throw the ball a little bit specifically against a team like Clemson. If he doesn't throw the ball, well, they're not going to win. Um, and but against a team like Syracuse, where I think you can overpower them a little bit, I'll go. Um, it, yeah, it's just hard for me to sit there and say Syracuse is a more talented football team. So maybe it's wow. bias in us or the Golden Homers, whatever it may be. But I think I do think Notre Dame is going to pull it out. They tend to play better right this year, at least against the better opponents. Um, I made the point the other day that it's not necessarily a home road thing because all of their bad games have been at home, but it's also been the worst teams that they've played. And then their good games have been on neutral side or road, but it's also been the better teams they've played. So all, you know, I kind of like your prediction. What would you say? 27, 23. Yeah. I'll say, cause I don't want to say they only score touchdowns cause they can't, they haven't been able to prove that, but groupie had a good day last week, man. I, you know what? I'll say they get in the thirties. I'll say 31. I'll say 31, 21. That sounds a little big, but I'll I'll say that they're able to hold Syracuse a bit. Um, it's not going to be one of those things where they're up like 31 to 13 or 31 to 14 and Syracuse scores a late touchdown. It's not going to be something like that. It's going to be a close game throughout. It might even be something where Notre Dame's down 21 to 17 at some point and they, and they just kind of have like a really good fourth quarter and just run it down their throat. And, you know, Syracuse is barely able to touch the football, that kind of thing. I could see that sort of scenario happening. So I'll say 31, 21, maybe a little biased. Maybe we're both biased. Who knows? Um, I don't think I'm going to pick them to beat Clemson, <laughs> even though I'll be in attendance. Yeah. I was going to say, you're not going to catch me picking against Notre Dame when I think that they have the better athletes on the field. And that's certainly the case here. I, I mean, Clemson has the better athletes, but it's at Notre Dame. So Curious to see what that line ends up. I might end up picking against Notre Dame, but like Nathan said, we will be there. So for those of you who are planning on being in attendance, come say what's up. I'm going to try to host some sort of tailgate out there, um, but be sure to let us know where yours are and we'll come by and say what's up. Oh, you're definitely going to do, you're trying to do a tailgate for sure. I'll, I'll figure something out. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be awesome. It's somewhere to kind of sit and all that kind of stuff before. Don't the game. Black Maiden time. 
Dude, I'm, I try, man. I'll try. I can definitely pack that. It's not hard to pack, obviously. So maybe we can get yeah. something. Um, it's a couple, what is it, a week and a half away? I think I leave next Thursday. Yeah. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, thanks guys for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed uh, just kind of like a, a more freelance recruiting episode. Definitely tell us if you like it more. Um, yeah. we're, we're willing, you, I, I think Mason can vouch for this. We're willing to talk recruiting and only recruiting. If that's where you guys think our, our niche should be, we'll obviously bring our own thoughts um, to the program as a whole, because obviously recruiting leads to the guys that end up on the field. So I feel like we have a pretty good grasp of everything. But if you guys want us to talk more about recruiting, let us know. We can at least make it a big part of each episode. Um, but hope you enjoyed. As always, catch me on Twitter, Nathan underscore Erbach. You can catch Mason at Mason Plumber underscore at Golden Homers, obviously, as well. Definitely follow that. Most of our content is there. Um, and then obviously listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts, um, Spotify. Apple podcasts are the big ones we record on anchor. Um, so definitely give them some support as well. Um, but, but uh, we'll see you guys on uh, after Saturday's game, we'll break it down for you and uh, we'll go from there. Thanks for having us.